Hey everyone, my name is Valentina and I'm a youth ambassador here at The Grove and welcome to episode one of the Get With The Grove Eating Disorder podcast series in collaboration with Safe Communities. This series aims to spread awareness and break the stigma surrounding eating disorders in the Wellington County community. Just to give you a bit of an introduction, Safe Communities Wellington County promotes safe and healthy behaviors and protects people from hurt and harm. The Safe Communities Wellington County and its member committees work with representatives from local municipal councils, emergency services, public health, school boards, and other stakeholders who have made it their goal to maintain Wellington County as a designated safe community. All members strive to make our county the safest and healthiest place in which to live, learn, work, and thrive. In working with public health, they provided us with the data of why people land in the emergency room of the local Groves Hospital in Fergus, and one of the areas was intentional self-harm. With that, Safe Communities Working Group is focused on mental wellness, and specifically this year, they are looking at eating disorders, since there is so much data around the rise in people struggling with eating disorders, not only in our community, but generally speaking as well. We are not experts, but we want to provide opportunities for conversations, awareness raising, and bringing resources to our community that otherwise wouldn't really be there. It is exciting to team up with Safe Communities for this podcast series and be part of these conversations. So today, our mental health clinician Tara will be joining me and helping answer some commonly asked questions and information around eating disorders. So we hope this episode is helpful and answers some questions you may have not known before. All right, so hello, Tara, and welcome to the podcast. Before we start, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? For sure. Thanks so much for having me. So I work as the mental health counselor with the Grove Youth Wellness Hubs and CMHA Waterloo Wellington. I've been working at the Grove specifically for only about six months now doing counseling. Um, And before that, I did my master's of social work at Laurier and graduated in 2020, right in the start of the pandemic there. Oof. And now I'm here and excited to be on the podcast today. Oh, that's so exciting. So let's get into it. So I guess let's start with what an eating disorder is. For sure. Great first question. So not to get too book nerdy about it here, but the American Psych- Psychiatric Association defines an eating disorder as a behavioral condition that's persistent, that has persistent disturbances in eating habits and distressing thoughts and emotions. Um, in Canada, these do need to be diagnosed by a medical professional, like a psychologist or psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those are guided by the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of <laughs> Mental Disorders. Um And eating disorders actually have the highest rate of mortality among uh, mental health disorders, according to NEDIC, which is the National Eating Disorder Information Center, a great resource, by the way. Um, And they can have really serious consequences for someone's physical and mental health, of course. Yeah. Um, So Kids Help Phone also has a really great article for uh, eating disorders, and I think it's called Eating Disorders important things to know. Um, And they talk about how oftentimes um, people think that eating disorders have to do with food and weight, which oftentimes they do, but more often it's actually more connected to how someone feels about themselves Mm -hmm. and what's going on in their lives. Yeah. So 
There's this common misconception that an eating disorder looks or is a certain way, when in reality there are a variety of different types and it looks really differently among people. So could you share with us a little bit about them? For sure, for sure. So the two main ones that I'm sure many people know about most are anorexia and bulimia. So Nedic describes anorexia as behaviors that interfere with maintaining an adequate weight and a powerful fear of gaining weight or becoming fat, um, and oftentimes, too, an overestimation of the person's own body size. Mm-hmm. Um, and bulimia is described by Nedic as characterized by periods of food restriction followed by binge eating. Um, with recurrent compensating behaviors such as purging or restricting in between. Um, but there's quite a few more. Those are the two main ones that a lot of people know about. But there's also binge eating disorder, avoidant and restrictive food intake disorder, which is called ARFID, and other specified feeding and eating disorders as well. So there's definitely a lot. Right. So for the first one that you did mention, you stated how it's believing that you're bigger than you actually are. So does that kind of go along the lines of body dysmorphia or is that a completely separate thing? It does a little bit. It's definitely connected. Um, I'm not an expert in this area, but I believe that body dysmorphia is a thing in itself, Mm -hmm. Um, but it definitely is an aspect of anorexia for sure. Okay. So along with um, the other misconceptions of, you know, what it's what it may specifically look like or how general it really is, there's there's lots of other myths surrounding it. So what are some that you may have run into that you can help clarify? Yeah, yeah, those are really concerning. Myths are um, pretty damaging to people with um, eating disorders. But one of the biggest things I want to address here is that people who have eating disorders can be all shapes, all sizes, um, and they can affect affect anyone, no matter your gender, your age, your race, or anything else. Um, Another aspect I also wanted to clarify too is that it's not your fault if you're experiencing an eating disorder, kind of point blank there. Yeah, I agree. That's incredibly important to, to point out. For sure. So at the beginning, you defined what an eating disorder is. And in relation to this, do you think there's a difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'll preface that a lot of this information that I got um, for this part of it was from an article from Tamima Zucker on the National Eating Disorders Association website. It's a great article. Um, But to start, before we get into the difference of an eating disorder and disordered eating, I kind of wanted to define what non-disordered eating is. Yeah, for sure. Is what a lot of people know as like normal eating, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. So that's when someone consumes food mindfully when they feel hungry, and then they can stop when they feel full. So that's non-disordered eating. Okay. Disordered eating, on the other hand, are maybe people who, when they they eat when they get bored, um, or they have the same meals over and over again and don't really expand from that, mm-hmm. or they completely avoid an entire food group. Um, and the biggest thing that separates that from an eating disorder is that disordered eating doesn't affect the person's 
daily life and daily functioning. Okay. Um, but back again to the eating disorder, um, as I mentioned earlier, those are when it begins to affect the person's daily life or daily functioning, mm-hmm. their habits, their mental health, their physical health. Um, and like when the thoughts surrounding food and calories and body image, they kind of consume the person. Mm-hmm. Of course. So this is such a good thing to clarify because I know like if I'm being honest, even my friends, like they'll say, oh my gosh, I must have an eating disorder then because I'm eating when I'm bored or I'm eating the same things every day or whatever. So I think this is a really great thing to clarify and thank you for doing so. For sure. So for me, not until the process of really making this podcast and doing some research, I really personally wasn't aware of how common eating disorders actually are. So I think it's important to start this conversation and give people the truth of its prevalence. So can you share with us some information maybe around some statistics and how common it really is? For sure. Yeah, I definitely think that... um People, some people don't realize how prevalent eating disorders actually are, um, but I actually am a little bit of a nerd and love stats, so <laughs> let's get into it. So Body Brave's website, which is another really good resources, say that one in 13 Canadians have an eating disorder. Wow. Um, and they said that most of those numbers don't receive treatment or support, which is terrifying. Wow. So CMHA Waterloo Wellington reports that the number of children, so people under 18, seeking support with an eating disorder grew by 37.6% between 2020 and 2021. So that's just a year. Yeah. And um, a 66.6% rise in referrals from 2019 to 2021. And 20% of people, I just wanted to add this other tidbit in, 20% of people with anorexia and 25 to 35% of people with bulimia attempt suicide in their lifetime. That Mm -hmm. came from Netic. So that's um, a really scary stat Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Netic also mentions that the mortality rate associated with anorexia is 12 times greater than all other causes of death combined for females age 15 to 24. That, wow. Yeah, it's really concerning. For sure. Yeah. So do you think that kind of following into like influences, do you think that COVID was maybe something that really influenced the numbers going up during that time period? For sure. I think there was a lot of aspects of COVID that um, came into account there. And I think one of the biggest things was isolation. Yeah. Um, But I definitely think it had a, a huge influence. Okay. So on top of this influence, we know that social media really is something that's valued by society specifically in regards to body image, what is glamorized versus what is not. So there are definitely other contributing factors and influences like COVID and like social media that may put individuals more at risk. So can you maybe speak on any other contributing factors that exist like social media and COVID? Yeah. So to clarify, there's no single cause of eating disorders Um, But like you said, there can be so many different influences and they can be so different for every single person. Um, But there can be biology influences, psychology, biochemical, sociocultural factors, 
genetics can play a role, um, financial struggles, family issues, stress, life experiences. So yeah. there can be so many influences, yeah, like I said, sure. and so different for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes dieting can, can be a contributing factor as well. Um, and like you said earlier too, we all know how influential social media can be, especially Um, with like diet culture, like the second Kim Kardashian goes on something, everyone wants to do it. And I don't know if you saw, uh, her whole Met Gala experience where she told everyone that she lost like 16 pounds in like a very short span of time. And she never even ended up actually fitting into the dress, but she's telling everyone that she did. So it's stuff like that that it's it's mind-boggling how these influences can can put others at so much risk for sure for sure it can totally have a big effect on someone's self-esteem and body image which definitely can play into the role of an eating disorder mm-hmm. um and lastly the last kind of influence i wanted to mention too is that if someone's experienced like a r- really difficult experience or thing or traumatic event in their life that can be Um, another contributing factor as well for sure do you think that I guess having more of these influences kind of all at once like like you said there's not one single reason do you think having more of them like put the person at a greater risk than someone with maybe like less influences like that for sure yeah I think that can be if you have multiple of these influences for sure um it just really depends on the person and how they're sure. affected by certain things. Okay. So maybe for those people who don't know how to get this help or maybe don't know that they need it or what is something or what treatments are available and can you navigate some of these treatments for the people who are moving towards seeking support, just don't know where to start? For sure. Yeah. So there's actually lots of um, different treatment options available. Um, but unfortunately I have to preface that with saying so many of them have pretty long wait lists, which is, which is hard, especially with this like enormous spike that happened and the stats that you gave us before, like it's saddening for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the different types of treatment options, um, so there's day treatment options, There's inpatient treatment options, which inpatient means the patient would be staying inside a hospital or facility while receiving their treatment for that duration of time. Okay. Um, And that option's more so utilized for patients who are are experiencing more severe and worrisome symptoms um, that might not be able to be managed by outpatient, um, which leads into outpatient treatment options, um, which means the patient would not be staying in any facility or treatment facility. Um, They would just meet with their care providers regularly. Mm -hmm. So for example, CMHA Waterloo Wellington's outpatient eating disorders treatment program has kind of like a multidisciplinary team that would be involved in the patient's care that includes a nurse practitioner, a therapist, and a registered dietitian. Okay. Um, And for that program just while we're talking about it. Um, people can self-refer themselves by calling uh, the HERE 24-7 crisis line or by talking to their doctor and their doctor can refer them. Um, but overall, I just think it's super important to 
talk to a professional um, and try to determine what's the best for you as the patient, um, as you have a big voice in that. For sure. And I completely agree with that. I think it's so important for the client to voice their concerns and really work in a, in a collaborative way with other professionals to find what option is really best for them. But I guess before they're even able to do this, how can they themselves identify and recognize that they may need treatment in the first place? For sure. So I just wanted to start this one off by saying, which I think a lot of us know this, but you can't visually see an eating disorder. Um, It's not often the case that there's something visual that will indicate this person has an eating Mm -hmm. disorder. Um, But some physical things to look out for um, are things like rapid weight loss, not gaining weight at an appropriate rate, like for that person's age or Mm -hmm. something like that, Um, hair loss, avoiding food, Um, avoiding situations that involve food, binge eating at times, vomiting, using laxatives, excessive exercising, dizziness. Um, But again, a lot of those things are things that loved ones might not even notice or know about that a person is utilizing or engaging in. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also some behavioral things to look out for too. Um, So things like isolation, the person's isolating themselves more than usual or increasing um, isolation, Mm -hmm. nervousness about situations where there's going to be food there or taking a really long time in the bathroom after eating. Um, But it's also important too for the person who might be experiencing the eating disorder to think about how often am I thinking about food and my body and calories and things like that. Um, Because if the thoughts like that begin to kind of interrupt your day-to-day, your daily life, then that might be an indicator to to reach out for support if you can. For sure. Yeah. Um, But the biggest thing I wanted people to kind of take home too is that you don't have to navigate that alone. Like Mm -hmm. if you're feeling like you need that support or you need to reach out, um, it's a really hard first step, but it's a Mm -hmm. really important first step. A hundred percent. Yeah. So if you can... Try to talk to kind of a safe adult, like a parent or guardian, um, a teacher, your doctor, or even calling um, a helpline like Kids Help Phone or Here Mm 24-7. These people that might be experiencing eating disorders might have like confusion about what's going on or stress or lots of ups and downs in your mood. So um, helplines, like I mentioned before, have people ready to connect with you if you need that support and need Mm -hmm. someone to talk to but um try to be kind with yourself and be be gentle um it's a really tough thing to experience and go through um but remember that recovery is possible Mm -hmm. and there is support out there for you a hundred percent in regards to kind of the signs that you were mentioning um maybe things to look out for i remember when i was in school um there were certain things in the dsm where they said you have to kind of meet a certain amount of these signs to kind of be diagnosed so with these signs you think there's maybe a certain amount of signs that you have to have before you seek help i don't think so at all i think kind of the baseline is that if you're struggling reach out okay reach out for support it doesn't matter it's not up to the person to determine am i 
worthy enough or sick enough or um, bad enough that mm-hmm. I need the support. Yeah. There is support out there for any level of struggle that you're experiencing. So whether that's a full-on eating disorder or you think you're beginning to experience that, there is support out there for any level. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Of course. So I guess for for those who may not be experiencing the eating disorder but have their family, their friends, peers in their life that are dealing with one, how can these individuals best support them? Yeah, that's a really good question. So to start that one off, I think that misunderstanding and stigmas and judgments about eating disorders are really, really harmful um, and can make it really difficult for someone who's suffering to reach out for support, even more difficult than it already is. Um, So I would say to try and be gentle and come from an understanding perspective Um, And if you can, try to learn a little bit about these things, like listening to this podcast is a first (laughs) step, Um, and maybe try and do a little bit of research. Um, So I think one of the biggest things is just ensuring that they know you're there to support them in a non-judgmental way. Yeah. So I guess then going into this like research piece and really educating yourself then what are some resources for everyone to kind of look into and find out some more information about eating disorders, treatment, and everything else? Yeah, so Netic, which I think I mentioned before, has some awesome resources on their website, um, as well as the Kids Help Phone article that I mentioned earlier. Um, Bodybrave.ca also has some great resources, and I believe they also have support Um, for people 17 and above, um, which I believe are free of cost if you're in Guelph, KW, Cambridge, and kind of those surrounding areas. Okay. Um, And lastly, for uh, loved ones, there's also a book that has some pretty practical suggestions for helping a loved one who is struggling with an eating disorder, disorder, and it's called, it's a long title, it's called (laughs) Skills-Based Learning for caring for a loved one with an eating disorder. The new Maudsley Method, second edition. Nice. <laughs> so we, we can try and link some of those um, resources. But again, like I mentioned before, calling here 24-7, calling kids' help phone, talking to your doctor or trusted adult are also really amazing things as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for plugging everyone with these awesome resources, these information. Um, this was really, this is a really great way to start off this series and I'm so glad we were able to do it here with you. So thank you again. And, um, we hope to have you back on the podcast soon. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's such an important topic and I'm really grateful that I was here to be able to, to chat about it and get that conversation started. Me too. Thank you, Tara. Thanks. All right, everyone. So with everything being said, we have discussed some heavy topics in this podcast episode. And this is just a reminder that if you or someone you know are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, you can seek support and resources from the National Eating Disorders Information Center hotline at 1-866-633-4220. Additionally, you can seek support and resources at one of the Grove Youth Wellness Hubs in either Guelph, 
Aaron, Fergus, or Palmerston, Ontario, and for hours and more information, visit www.thegrovehubs.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in and hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Please take care of yourself and stay tuned for next week's episode. See you then, friends. Thank you.